The feds give states just 60 days to act. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Last week, federal officials warned the seven states which rely on the Colorado River that they could see drastic cuts to water allocations as dryness and heat continue in the West. Bureau of Reclamation Commissioner Camille Tootin told the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee that hot temperatures and dry soils have made runoff occur earlier and less predictably, and that two to four million acre feet would need to be cut from water budgets. To put those reductions in perspective, that could be more than the amount Arizona gets from the river each year. If the cutbacks aren't implemented, Lake Powell and Lake Mead could reach critically low levels. The commissioner said that if states don't agree by the middle of August on how to implement the cuts, then the federal government will act. While the Senate hearing focused on the lack of water in the southwest, farther north in Montana, there were devastating floods in and around Yellowstone National Park, which took out bridges, washed away buildings, and forced evacuations of thousands of vacationers. High Country News reports that the area had more than twice the normal amount of snow and water in a wet spring, then rising temperatures along with rain caused melting snow to overwhelm the Yellowstone River and its tributaries. PFAS chemicals, also known as forever chemicals because they don't break down in the environment, have been used in firefighting foams, cosmetics, and food packaging. And now they're viewed as far more dangerous to humans than regulators previously thought, a determination that could have far-reaching implications for water suppliers. PFAS chemicals can accumulate in the body and have already been linked to several types of cancer, thyroid problems, and infertility. They have been found in every state, according to the Environmental Working Group, which estimates that 200 million Americans are drinking water contaminated with the compounds. The Environmental Protection Agency warned that concentrations of the contaminants, even at undetectable levels, could still have negative health effects. The agency's new guidelines recommend that water utilities, states, and tribes take steps to reduce exposure and at least notify customers if there is contamination. Concerned individuals can then consider installing water filters. The EPA aims to release mandatory PFAS standards this fall and, once finalized, could impose penalties if water utilities don't meet them. Elephant seals that live along the California coast like to dine on bottom-dwelling fish and squid. But unlike whales, the seals don't have sonar to track their prey in the dark depths of the ocean where sunlight can't penetrate. So how do they find their next meal? A new study says it's all about the whiskers. Scientists led by the University of California Santa Cruz attached small video cameras with infrared night vision on five northern elephant seals in Año Nuevo State Park north of Monterey Bay. They discovered that when the animals were at the surface, they kept their whiskers in a relaxed position. But when they began to forage in the deep, they moved their whiskers back and forth with muscles in their snout 
an emotion similar to how rats and mice explore their world. Elephant seals have the highest number of nerve fibers per whisker of any mammal, and the researchers say they're probably sensitive enough to detect fish moving water through their gills or flicking their tails. Once the seals grabbed a few snacks, the video showed that they curled their whiskers back against their face and swam to the surface. Moving forward, the researchers want to study how other mammals use their whiskers, but the fascinating thing about this discovery is that it underscores how little we know about oceans, given only around 5% have been explored and mapped by humans. And finally, a war you've likely never heard of has come to an end. A decades-long dispute over a rock called Hans Island that sits in a strait between Greenland and Canada was finally resolved without a single shot, unless you count whiskey. The whiskey wars, as it's come to be known, began in 1973 when Canada and Denmark, which claimed Greenland as an autonomous part of its kingdom, were drawing up their Arctic boundaries. Unfortunately, Hans Island, a barren outcrop a mere square mile round, sits smack dab in the middle of the channel, and diplomats were unable to decide its ownership. The disagreement escalated in 1984 when Canadians staked their claim by planting the maple leaf flag and leaving a bottle of Canadian whiskey. The Danes responded with their own flag, a bottle of Copenhagen's finest schnapps, and a message reading, Welcome to the Danish island. The tit-for-tat squabble that left tattered flags and liquor deposits continued until last week when the countries agreed to split the island roughly down the middle along a natural cleft in the rock. Appropriately, the foreign ministers exchanged bottles of alcohol at the ceremony. The success of diplomacy, given the war in Ukraine, is to be celebrated. But as global warming continues and countries eye the Arctic for mineral reserves, settling matters peacefully will be crucial. That's it for this week in water. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.